0: Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the Lower Columbia Pacific region. I'm Teresa Retzloff, and today I am sitting in the beautiful garden of Jennifer Childress. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Jennifer, you are a community midwife. Yep. And you serve Clatsop and Tillamook County. Yes. And we're sitting here in this gorgeous, gorgeous place on top of a hill outside of a mountain, I guess, really, outside of. Nahalem, you own this property with your husband, Watt. hmm that's true. And, and how long have you lived here?
1: Uh, we've been here, this is our, the beginning
0: of our 17th year, so 16 years. Wow, Yeah. so this place is, and what was it like when you moved here?
1: Um, a lot less wild and wooly, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, there were no animals being raised on the property. It was all being mowed kind of like a big, it looked like a park. Everything mm-hmm. was very neat and, um, it was beautiful, and but there wasn't very little happening in terms of a vegetable garden. And then up where we are up around the house, it was kind of almost a little bit of a monocrop. There was just a lot of heather and mm-hmm.
0: lithodora and that was about it. <laughs> I, I, I will take some pictures and maybe post these online, but I wish that I could show um, the people that are listening to this, this gorgeous garden, so many perennials bulbs coming up, different textures of colors. Um, it seems, you must have a beautiful display here throughout the year. Just different things coming into flower and leaves changing yeah. and it's so cool. That's what I love, yeah. And so you you and Watt raised a family here. That's you right. Know, two children. Yep, Willa and Roan, who are now adults. They're in their mid-20s. And so when you were first starting out here and you you keep goats as well, Mm -hmm. so you're milking goats and you have a big vegetable garden and you have this other big garden, you have fruit trees. Were you largely feeding your, I mean, were you feeding a lot of yourselves through your garden and um, it was a bigger part of your lives? Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. It was, and it was definitely, it had always been a goal to feed ourselves as much as possible and we never did it hundred mm-hmm. percent. You know, that's that's a really but, hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we weren't growing grains or you know things like that. But yes, we we definitely um, produced a lot of food. It, you know, it started small, and I all the beds in my vegetable garden were dug by hand. So I wasn't. So it was just every year, I would just add a few more and I had little children who had short attention spans, so they <laughs> they needed my, my time. I would I would say, I'm going out of the garden to work for a while, and why don't you all play up at the house and then bring me, you know, in a little while, let's have a picnic with lemonade and whatever, and they would then make the, the picnic of lemonade and, and some kind of, I don't know what, what went what, what with it and then they would bring it down to the garden and we would sit in the shade and eat and read <laughs>
0: and mm. I would furiously work while
1: they were doing all
0: that <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to get it done that's definitely one way to get it done <laughs> yeah. I could see how how that that's a strategy it's definitely yeah. a strategy to work with yeah and um yeah I just it, it's fascinating to me to see how gardens change over time and, and you and I have been talking about having this conversation for a long time yeah and I've been fascinated with you know how you start a garden you know you know 16 17 years ago with young children and now they've grown they've left home you and your husband are you know getting older your lives are changing and how is your garden changing how is your approach to this
1: mm. changing
0: I know you talked about scaling back your goat herd what, how many goats did you have at one time that you were milking
1: I, I think the most we most total goats we ever had was here when on this farm was 18. Before we moved here, we were living in Tennessee and we had a herd of 80 sheep and goats. Whoa. So, you know, I never wanted to do that again when we moved <laughs> here. I like to be able to know all their names <laughs> and set my eyes on every single one of them each yeah. day. Um, but the most I ever milked was maybe four regularly. And um, now I've cut back to just milking the one. And she, so she produces plenty of milk for our needs plus extra for community members that I, sh- I share with.
0: And you make cheese? I make cheese. Oh. Yeah. goat cheese is so amazing. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's great, and it's great to have it in bountiful amounts, so you can make you know big recipes and things. Our friends that are visiting right now are just loving that. <laughs> I have a quart of chev yeah. for them to work with. Well, and I can imagine
0: it's nice to still have enough to share, but not feel overwhelmed by it. Again, right. and it's not as much of a time commitment. Right, having what seven goats now.
1: Yeah, they're just and they yeah they just keep the fields eaten down. We don't have a very big feed bill. You know, lots of things about it are really nice. And you know, it was overwhelming when I was milking, because I'm doing it all out of my personal kitchen. I never really wanted to have a commercial operation. But I would be making cheese, you know, in, in the spring when the goats freshen and we have tons of milk, mm-hmm. you know, every other day I was having to make cheese and then, you know, and and then find homes for it, you know.
0: And you're still working as a midwife. Yeah. <laughs> and traveling all over two counties yeah. to help in births and then coming back and milking your goats and yeah. tending your garden and raising your yeah. kids. That's a lot.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of little things that really add up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So um, is it, you know, are you are you changing how you grow here? Are you planting less or just narrowing in on certain, certain plants that you really find satisfying? Like how are you shifting what you grow?
1: well from from the very beginning I've been I've loved perennials and so it's amazing how as the perennials establish themselves there's so much less work and they and they create their own communities and they kind of do their own thing which is incredible and I get to just be part of it <laughs> I don't have to manage it so much I love that yes <laughs> and so with the vegetables um, I have felt like over the last few years I've for a couple reasons, I've been wanting to just move towards more things that self-seed or are perennial. And there's not that as many mm-hmm. perennial vegetables as there are fruits, but there are plenty of things that's, that that self-sow and and kind of take care of themselves and take on a life of their
0: own. And it seems like a lot of the leafy greens out here are really good at that. You know, like I saw that you had a bunch of self-sown arugula mm-hmm. and other things like that. Kale, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, it's great. You can just have kind of and. The calendula comes up again and um, the garlic is self-sowing. I had a whole, one year where a bunch of garlic was, they were tiny little heads, but they cr- produced the seed tops. And then I just kind of abandoned them. And then the next year I started having all these garlic greens right? and I thought, So oh, it
0: reseeded itself. Yeah,
1: I, mean, I can completely, <laughs> I can go with that. Garlic greens are great in the spring.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and wonderful to have it just be a volunteer crop and yeah. you can just lightly manage it and it's not that bad. Yeah, Oh, yeah. that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, so, and, and maybe I'm a little less um, focused on making it perfect because I just have other things that are going on and, and I realize it's okay. It's not gonna get completely, Um, taken over by the weeds I mean I have to knock the weeds back yeah so
0: here and there you know (laughs) lightly lightly managing those things rather than just trying to be so meticulous about it I know it's, it's interesting when you can let go of needing it to be perfect and looking a certain way and you realize it's still producing I'm still getting plenty out of it yeah and it looks just fine
1: yeah, and and then you get to see what, what they do in their own communities. The plants do right, mm-hmm. and you see, oh, they, this plant really loves growing right mixed in with like these two right here. Mm-hmm. They just love growing together, and and so you know sometimes I kind of cut it back. This is one of them. The one on the front is um, a red um, red osier dogwood, kind of Such a little a one. Such a beautiful plant, yeah. And I don't even remember the name of
0: the one behind it, but it it's is a big
1: New Zealand. What is it?
0: It's a big, broadleaf, uh, yeah. uh, tropical-looking plant.
1: Yeah, it comes out of New Zealand. Um, it'll eventually bloom and then die back, but it's been growing for 15 years. It's
0: gotten And huge. those two clearly have a nice relationship with each other.
1: They absolutely do. And then the eucalyptus beyond that. they All three just really look great together and just coexist really nicely.
0: And you don't have to do much to them? No. That's so just great. about nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I, low, I, I low, a, a, I low maintenance. Low maintenance,
1: but not. But you know, I grew up with low maintenance, that, which was rhododendrons and evergreen shrubs, and everybody's yard looked exactly the same. And so I really didn't. Even uh-huh. that no, low maintenance label, I didn't really like because I thought of and I thought of it as like pink or orangey bark dust, and you know.
0: <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I know. <laughs> it and wasn't that's, my yeah. favorite landscape, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's just a different style it, it's a it's different, a different style. style and and clearly it's not your style, yeah, um yeah, I do love looking out here and seeing little forget me nots popping up and um just all kinds of different things that are so surprising at different times of year. It's fun when you can have a garden that that produces interest throughout a long season, and yeah. one thing we were talking about earlier um is that you, um, you're on a well up here, you said you're on a shallow well, so you don't, like irrigation water is, is at a premium. Mm-hmm. So how has that affected how you grow and are you changing your thoughts about irrigation up here? Because you only have a finite amount of water each summer.
1: Right, so that's another reason why I've kind of changed and tried to grow more and more perennials because I don't have to water them once they're established. And actually, a conversation with you a couple years ago about dry farming Mm -hmm. got me really inspired. And I realized, and I had already been experimenting a little bit with it but realize, oh, I don't have to, Jeff Generi actually told me this, I don't have to water the potatoes, mm-hmm. and the potatoes will be better flavored, but lower yield. That's fine with me, yeah. you know? Yeah, so well, I,
0: you're not looking for a commercial crop. Right,
1: I don't need maximum yield. so yeah. So I stopped watering the potatoes first, then you told me about the squashes, and I'm like, oh, I don't have to water the squashes? <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> and so little by little, I've just let the plants, even the annual plants, take care of themselves. In a much, um, you know, and I, and of course, I keep trying to keep the weeds back, so Mm -hmm. you know, give them. Yeah. There is an order to it. If you saw it in May, there'd be a little bit more order Absolutely. to it Absolutely. <laughs> you know,
0: it's, it's always challenging to visit people's gardens, you know, um, at, at different times of year and maybe when it's not at its at its height or at its, at its, you know, when things are most abundant and you look, you but you see more of the structure of it. And sometimes mm-hmm. the structure can be kind of chaotic, mm-hmm. but there is a structure there mm-hmm. and there's still a function that you can see. And mm-hmm. I think it's really cool that you're experimenting with, you know, using less water and finding ways because that gives you more water to focus on the things that actually really do it. Like maybe like lettuce, crops, or leafy greens that that really just do need some water yeah to thrive
1: yep yep there are certain so like I have been grouping things so like annual flowers or annual um, crops that really need some moisture and that's where I focus watering and I have some drip systems in place for that Mm -hmm. and then I also use this five buckets system or five gallon bucket system where I lay that, sit that down next to a, an individual plant, like let's say it's a broccoli, mm-hmm. and I fill that with water, and so then that, and it has a hole at the bottom, and so then that waters it very deeply.
0: How did you make the hole? Just with a nail? Just with
1: a nail pounded into the bottom of
0: the five gallon bucket, yeah.
1: Yeah, works great. And so it
0: just slowly drips out, yep. and over time. And it's that that less frequent deep watering right. is enough for a broccoli. Yeah. And, and you do that how often?
1: Um, I mean, I have a rotation, so I just kind of move through the garden. I'm pulling gray water from our house and then carrying it down to the garden and then filling (laughs) the buckets,
0: yeah. But you know, weight training, and we're supposed to do that as we get older. It's continuing to build muscle. Yes,
1: body by gardening, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So yeah, maybe every 10 days to two weeks, I'll, I'll return back to the beginning and go through it.
0: And you're finding that's enough? Yeah. I, I mean that's yeah. what I find is so fascinating and I think the plants will tell us a lot of times yeah. you know if it's starting to look really terrible and and look like it's very parched you know you might need to give it a bit of extra water but sometimes it's like oh hey you just don't you're doing fine yeah
1: absolutely. and it's giving you enough
0: yeah it's giving you enough food that you know you and Watt have plenty to eat and you have fresh vegetables when you need them
1: yep and we put thing. we put a lot of stuff up you know make a lot of pesto and put in the freezer um
0: you have a lot of fruit trees here do you yep. do you process the apples
1: Mhm we make cider that we that we drink fresh and freeze we um I dry a lot of fruit so that I have that all through the winter. Nice. This is the first year I think I'm gonna have dry, my own dried fruit all the way until strawberries start. So-
0: really? Yeah, yeah. Is that cause you don't have hungry kids here?
1: <laughs> right, exactly. It's a, it's a little easier. <laughs> they don't eat the entire gallon of apple slices.
0: <laughs> well, that, there's a benefit for having your kids leave home.
1: <laughs> uh, they came home for a month. They ate a, a fair amount, I still had enough.
0: That's so <laughs> good, that's so good. I know it, it's hard to wait for strawberries, you know, when you when you use up those stored fruits and yeah. then it's like, oh, fresh fruit, fresh fruit. It's hard to go to the store. Once you've tasted, I feel like once you've gotten used to the flavor of homegrown yeah. or, or local farm grown, it's really hard to go back to stuff that's coming from, you know, California or Mexico. Yeah,
1: further away and <laughs> has to be picked green and yeah. it's lovely, it tastes really good in California.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> just, just not once it gets to Oregon. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you get much help in the garden? Does Watt help you out or is it mostly you?
1: Watt helps me, um, and then also we have a community of people living up here who help us out, and we do some trades. So, um, I, I, over the years, I, when I went probably six years ago, I realized oh, I don't really want to do all this physical work because it's affecting my back. I started working in some systems so that people I have trading to do, and, um, and so then I can get some help with the heavier work. And also get help with the milking when we need to go out of town.
0: That's really nice. And that's made
1: a big difference. Because our life was, I I say it's tethered. It's tethered by, Watt has a bookshop in Cannon Beach, the used bookshop, Jupiter's. I have a midwifery practice where I'm on call all the time. We have goats to milk (laughs) and a garden to tend. It's very easy easy to just be like, I don't need to go out of town. But Mm -hmm. obviously really helps to leave town and get a new perspective and travel some and... We want to do some of that.
0: Yeah, I could see how scaling back can really help with that. Yeah. I know for the times when I've um, asked someone to come and help and take care of our farm, if, if my husband and I have left town, you know, you feel this commitment. It's like I'm, I'm asking someone to take on a, a pretty big responsibility. Yeah. Don't let my plants die. Don't let my chickens die. <laughs> right, right, And, you know, there's, there's only certain times of year when I'll leave because I don't want to put that extra pressure on people. So I can see that being something. And I think even somebody who has, you know, just a small home garden and a cat, you know, it's still something to ask. someone to take care of that
1: right and you and you care about your you care about i care about my animals and my my plants and whatever little babies i've started and i I just had to leave town a couple weeks ago my husband is in tennessee right now with his mother who's ailing and um and so I went to give some support and I had all these little tiny seedlings that had just started. And I was saying to my house sitters, please water twice a day. And I'd been watering three times a day, you know, but twice a day, I think they'll survive.
0: <laughs> it is really hard because you develop mm. this personal relationship, especially with those little baby seedlings. Yeah, It's very hard to walk away from them yeah. and, and trust. I know I, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to Jennifer. I, I spent last night down here in Manzanita. I had done something uh, speaking at the White Clover Grange, which was such a great small event on Saturday. And, you know, I, I mean, no pressure on my husband, Becky but I'm really hoping that when I go back, he remembered to open the greenhouses and yeah. my plants are still alive. Yeah. And I know that they will be, but there's always that part of you that, that feels, you know, a connection. And it's hard. You've spent a lot of time here. This is, you know, yeah. a lot of your life invested in this place. And yeah. There's so much care, and it's and it's beautiful. It must be very nurturing, yeah, to have this be home. Yeah,
1: it's a great place to come back to for sure. And and for Watt, you know, when he's spending a lot of time with his parents right now, but he'll come home. So far, he's come home for like a two-week period, and there's just this sense of, oh, I'm here. I can let down. I can breathe. Mm-hmm. I can be nurtured by by the surroundings. Yeah. Yeah. Do you
0: get a lot of, Are you, what's your weather like here? Do you get a lot of, of wind or, or ocean influence? Oh. I know this. the Nahalem Valley has some different microclimate pockets here.
1: Mm-hmm. We're a little bit more protected from the ocean. We definitely get the southwestern winds, and you know, in 2007, when the big hurricane came through, it came up over the hill here and then just blew down trees on either side. I mean, it was a didn't big, hit your big, house, but big whew.
0: swath. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think it went. I, if the wind, you know, had a I mean, it does have a spirit, but it had a, a spirit that was like, I want to spare this house. That's what it did because it, it came up and it just lifted over the house and then went onto
0: the trees. Wow. It. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It can be nature is such a force, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I feel like we're all experiencing aspects of climate change now. Yeah. And, you know, these very you know cold winters, hot, hot summers. Yeah. And are you seeing that affecting the plants in your garden? Is it is it Are there things that you're seeing, like, maybe I can't grow this anymore, or, oh, look at this thing, now I can, or is it just more gentle, a gentle transition for you?
1: Um, So far, the thing, I think because so many of them are perennial and are deep-rooted, they're able to access that groundwater we were talking about yesterday, and um, so I think, so far, it seems pretty resilient. Um, I do, just having less water, I'm going to grow fewer crops that have that have high water need,
0: yeah, and that just helps you make that transition and make those choices. Yeah, I yeah. have to say, if you're if you're hearing um, snuffling dog noises in the background, <laughs> um, we do ha- we do have <laughs> your your delightful dog. Is it Piper? Yeah, Piper. Piper here is um, supervising the interview. <laughs> yes, and uh, very curious and wants to be part of it. And um, you know, and I noticed you also have a is a, a great Pyrenees that guards mm-hmm. your your goats. Yes. And how long is, um, is it Mowgli? Mowgli is yeah. his name, yeah. He, how, long, how long have you had him?
1: Well, he's eight, but he is our fourth Pyrenees. So we've mm-hmm. had them for a, a number of years. Ever since we've had goats, really, we've had we've had Pyrenees. So.
0: And because you say you get quite a lot of wildlife up here mm-hmm. that would go after your goats if you didn't have the great yeah, Pyrenees. So,
1: yep, yep, we have coyotes and bobcats and occasional mountain lion, occasional bear. Um, and really they bark enough, he barks enough that it kind of keeps the deer and the elk out of the garden too, which is nice. That's nice. Yeah, they're around, you know, yeah. we see their, the evidence of them in the surroundings, but they don't come right into the yard where the garden is, yeah.
0: Cause you would have a lot to tempt them. And I noticed you, I mean, you have fencing around your vegetable garden, but it, that wouldn't keep an elk out. No. if it it really wanted to get in there.
1: No, we thought we needed to build eight foot fencing. And then when we, and we got the four foot up with the high posts to go up to eight feet if we needed to and then realized, oh, they're really just not here. They're not coming into the yard.
0: And do you think it was the dog, really? I think so, yeah. Maybe I need to get a great Pyrenees. (laughs)
1: They do have that nice deep bark. I know, it's so lovely, (laughs) it really
0: is. And I just, I mean, it's, it's just very inspiring to see a garden like this and watch how it changes over time how do you find working in the garden I mean this is something that I struggle with as we get older like physically it's just more challenging are you adapting how you work physically
1: oh yeah oh yeah I'm I mean because I have established beds now I'm not I I'm not having to you know turn sod and you know and I don't intend to Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and I find myself actually I'll I have four-foot-wide beds that are 20 to 25 feet long, and um, and I'll just find myself kind of sitting in the pathway and working my way backwards when I'm doing my weeding, mm-hmm. and feeling like I can just take my time. Yeah, it is really nice to not feel like I have to pack every second that I have available. You know, when I had young children, really it was like, okay, I've got I've got an hour now, and I've got to get <laughs> as much done as I can in that hour, and have a little more space.
0: <laughs> you have a lot of time now. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Well, just to be able to pace yourself and enjoy that yeah. time. That seems so delightful.
1: Yeah, or stop and listen and hear the birds or you know, observe what the insects are doing, you know. It's why I do it, right? And then and then I could spend decades forgetting that that was why I do it. <laughs>
0: It's hard sometimes. Gardens do just become a huge amount of work. And I think that they can really overwhelm people. And what I notice sometimes is that, you know, when you've established a much bigger garden and then maybe it doesn't serve you so well. You know, and I think about this with my farm as well. I mean, you know, I have a lot going on on my farm, but I'm I'm trying to transition and scale back a little bit because as I get older, like physically and mentally, it's like I just don't want to take care of all of that. I can't take care of all of that. And but it can be hard to let go of it. You know, because you've been keeping all this going and it feels like because I was doing this, I should keep doing it. Yeah. And knowing how to make that transition can be challenging sometimes. But also when you finally let yourself do it, it's so rewarding. Yeah. It's yeah. so rewarding.
1: Yeah. Finding that right balance. hmm Yeah. Do
0: you grow a lot of herbs here? Do you like do medicinal herbs as well? Mm-hmm. Yep. What um, are some of your favorites?
1: Um... I love the perennial, like the lavenders and the sages and the rosemaries and um, the medic- medicinal herbs. I'm just starting some arnica this year. I love to grow ashwagandha um, and harvest that. I, I do a mix of comfrey. Comfrey just came with the farm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it does sometimes. Blessing comfrey.
1: <laughs> um, so we harvest a lot of that, um, both for making different herbal products, but also for feeding to the goats. But I like to do a comfrey calendula rosemary mix for my postpartum moms, so I love that 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 herbs are a part of my service to people, Um, just because I love them so much. And when you tincture something or make it make salve, you know you inevitably make a large quantity, and so more than we need, but mm-hmm. it's just what happens. It'll so, take you
0: years to go through what you made. Yeah,
1: so might as well share it, you yeah. know? it's <laughs> as well spread it around. Yeah, that's yeah. so
0: wonderful. And to have it be able to incorporate that into your practice as well is so yeah. nice. Yeah. And I, I mean, that that's something that sometimes people it's pleasant to incorporate things like that into your garden where you can just harvest a little bit of this and make something, you know, and even if you're making it as a gift to share with friends, you're making a calendula salve or something like that. I know friends that do that. And it's just really satisfying to to be able to harvest something from your own space in your own garden.
1: And there's so many weeds that are medicinal too. So it's that, again, there's that balance of, do I need to weed everything out? Actually, maybe not because it's- it's, It could be useful. It's got some useful things. A couple years ago, I decided I wanted to learn more about violets and the medicinal uses of violets. And I had maybe one or two little clumps of the purple violets coming up as a weed somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I literally said, I really need more violets. And then this happened. I, there
0: is a carpet of violets in front of us. This <laughs> is amazing. It
1: happened as soon as I said, I need more violets, they just showed up. and. That spring, I made a violet oil for the first time because I was able to harvest enough of the flowers to, to make an oil.
0: And what do you use it for?
1: Well, I incorporate it into a salve. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's really good for the skin.
0: Are you, are you using the flowers? Mm-hmm. They yeah. are beautiful.
1: And you can put them in salads and you know, they're edible and
0: um, and they're just beautiful, right? Yeah. So. And yeah. they seem, I mean, I know they spread everywhere, but they're also beautiful and benign and they're all growing on the ground here underneath a tree. I yeah. don't know what kind of tree this is because it hasn't leafed out yet. It's
1: a um, Japanese maple.
0: It's beautiful and, and you have like little forget-me-nots and some bulbs coming up. And daisies. And, it's just a yeah. gorgeous that just, mix. That,
1: that grass just came up
0: one year. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bunch of grass, it's
1: happy there. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, but that, I, to me, I really love gardens like that where spontaneous things happen and then you can just, you know, mm. let it happen or not or move things around and... Yeah. Um, I know you were, I was, it was so sweet. You were talking about the Alpine strawberries that I think you, you said you bought from me at a farmer's market years ago. Yeah, like 15 years ago. I know, that are still coming up in your garden. Yeah. And um, that's another such, a, that's one of my favorite plants, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, such a delightful one especially when you have children in a garden because those little tiny berries are so fun to graze on and you never get enough to you know make anything out of them but you just eat them in the moment and they're sort of ephemeral.
1: Yeah they're wonderful.
0: And they share themselves you know not obnoxiously in your garden but.
1: No and I always think of you. when I, (laughs) I really do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Is your gift to my garden.
0: <laughs> I know. I feel like it's it's a legacy plant for a lot of gardens. <laughs> like, yeah. Um but it's so they're so fun and um it's just really, really nice to see this garden and I imagine it will continue to change mm-hmm. as you as you grow and age and you mm-hmm. and watch shift your priorities and but what a special place yeah. to be able to wake up every day and have this be what you walk out your door to and, yeah. and see. Mm-hmm. It's, I love it. I know. I it's very inspiring. It makes me want to go back and move some things around in my garden. <laughs> maybe weed a little bit, but maybe just leave some things and not worry about it so much. Yeah. And just, you know, see what happens. It's it's really satisfying to see. And your goats are so sweet. I'm glad you still have some.
1: Yes, oh me too. I couldn't live without goats. Yeah. Their manure is so important, but also their, and so their you, spirits you, are
0: so important. And you incorporate their manure a lot into your gardens oh, as yeah. well. Yeah, see? Yeah, yeah. And that's like you've got a great system. Yeah. You know, and that's really inspiring, too, where you've been able to create a kind of closed, somewhat of a closed loop where you're Mm -hmm. not having to bring a lot of stuff into your garden to make it work. Yeah, it's so inspiring. It really (laughs) is. And, you know, I I just yeah, this is a very inspiring place and you've created a beautiful life. Thank you. It is wildly inspiring. I know if if you're just tuning in and you've been listening to In Season, I've been speaking with Jennifer Childress um, in her beautiful garden here in Nehalem. Um, where she and her wat, her husband, your wat, her <laughs> husband <wife>. wat. <laughs> he is your wat, yeah. your husband wat. Um, you've lived for about uh, sixteen years here and raised your children and um, transitioning, and it's just yeah, it's so inspiring to see. Um, I hope I want to come back and visit again and see how it changes over time, and um, I'd love to see it in the height of summer, yeah, if you're, it would be amazing. I want to come yeah. graze on all your fruit.
1: Yeah, if you're and, not too busy, because I know you're busy, well, but I'd love yeah. to have you come down. Well, and, and
0: you're busy too, and that's always yeah. the thing, but I think as I get older, I'm learning that it's so important to make time for for things like this and to see that, and it's just so fun to see people's gardens in different times of year and be inspired by mm-hmm. the possibilities.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're always learning from each other. Which
0: Absolutely. Is, which is so great. Yeah. I know, I know, You. Mm. I mean, you mentioned like when you moved here, you had mentors that showed you what you're doing and now I'm sure you're mentoring others and you know younger people come and see what you're doing so yeah it's yeah. wonderful yeah I know it's thank you for being part of the community Jennifer it's, oh, thanks, so, Teresa. <laughs> oh well it's just been delightful and um I hope I hope everyone listening has enjoyed this visit to this beautiful garden and um I hope you can imagine what I'm seeing because it's incredible mm. and very inspiring and I want more violets <laughs> I'll send you
1: home some. Thank you,
0: (laughs) thank you. I'll plant them everywhere. (laughs) Thank you so much everyone for joining us for In Season this week. And um, I hope you're able to get out in your gardens and get your hands dirty and enjoy being outside, listening to the birds. And thanks for joining us.